You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group, and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Jags Den Podcast, the go-to and number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. I'm your host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino, back from a little bit of a hiatus. I've been handling some some family business, so I really appreciate the um, you know just the love and kind words from, from Jay and, and Jacob and everybody involved here at the Jaguars Wire. I am very happy to be back and happy to talk to you guys after a Jaguars victory. Of course, I am joined here with James Johnson, uh, a.k.a. Sports Grind, underscore Don. He is our fearless leader and managing editor here at the Jaguars Wire. Jay, how are you doing this week? And it's good to be back, man, and to talk some Jags with you. Yeah, man, I'm good. I'm trying to get with the program, as I told you um, <laughs> before we started recording. Uh, I was about to low key go to sleep. I was contemplating. I was like, should I should I record or or what? But uh, then you hit me up. And you was like, yeah, man, I'm game. So uh, it's good to have you back, man. And um, you know, I'm I'm um, I'm glad that you know you, you took care of the business with your family. And um, you know, shout out to them as well. Yeah, man, absolutely. And they really appreciated your your kind words on. Um, the uh, the episode from a couple weeks ago, so we, we thank you for that so much. Um, uh, my my uncle Johnny was a huge Jaguar fan, and going to continue to you know do this work and hope that the the team can can make him proud. He was a season ticket holder um, from I believe year one all the way throughout to um, year five or six. Him and my aunt, so um, we're going to keep following this team and hope that they can make him proud. So we're going to get into some Jaguars football, as I mentioned, after a 6 nothing victory over the Indianapolis Colts, a real um, <laughs> a real slobber knocker, as JR, good old JR would say. Um, so we'll get into that. <laughs> By God. That's got to leave a mark. So cold. So cold. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, before we get into it, we just want to make sure that you guys are checking us out on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn iHeartRadio, Spotify, and then we have also been recently added to Deezer and Radio Public, so please make sure you're checking us out on all of those platforms and on on the USA Today Audio Boom Network. That's the Jaguars Wire and Jags Den Podcast, of course. So we're going to get into a couple of quick hits after uh, following the Jaguars' 6 nothing victory over the Indianapolis Colts. Um, now, f- the first quick hit we're going to get to here, um, DJ Chark and Avery Jones have been ruled out versus the in the uh, Thursday night matchup with the Tennessee Titans, Cody Davis, Josh Walker have also or were actually ruled questionable. And it appears that Jalen Ramsey and Jeremy Parnell are good to go. So really quick on that, Jay, anything notable as far as anybody that's ruled out? Are you surprised Jalen's going to go again on the short week of rest? No, nah, not at all, um, because he played so well on the uh, on Sunday when he was a game time decision against the Colts and um you know, I, I think it was one play where he uh he came up a little bit gimpy on the sideline. But aside from that, like in terms of his performance on the field and, and running with T. Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron and all those guys, he looked fine. Um, didn't look to be, you know, a big deal in terms of the knee. So uh, not surprised at all. And also like Doug Marone said, you know, Tennessee's his hometown, or should I say Nashville is is his hometown. He wasn't gonna miss it for the world. So um glad to have him 
uh, because they're going to need him. And um, as for the other guys, uh, DJ Chark is a guy that I was hoping to see. Um, but it seems the uh, quad injury is, is quite serious because he hasn't been on the practice field since the Jags played the Steelers. So that'll be uh, worth watching. But as uh, me and you discussed earlier um, in the year, you know, Chark was a favorite target of Cody Kessler. That's why that's kind of a big deal, in my opinion. That's, you know, something we haven't heard a lot of people talk about. But during summer, you know, those two were like best buddies, basically, on the field. Right. You saw that a lot at at training camp, for sure. Right. Right. So, um, you know, that's something worth watching going forward because this is an opportunity you know, for Kessler to say, hey, I'm, I'm at least a legit backup. And, you know, you would think he need he need his favorite target to do so. And and for Chark, too, you know, to make some noise because the year hasn't gone all that well for him um, in terms of, uh, you know, the first part of the year and the middle part of the year. So um, Avery Jones, uh, he had a shin contusion on um, Sunday. He sustained it in the game. Uh, didn't come back, so they started to use a um, a group of Marcel Darius and Malik Jackson in his place. But uh, initially, it was Darius and Jones starting until the injury happened. Of course, um, he didn't practice all week, so it's kind of not a surprise that he's not going. Um, as for Cody Davis and Josh Walker, I think Davis will go if I had to guess. Uh, but I'm not saying I have an insider's hunch on that. But he was he was limited last week heading into the um on the final injury report but still went so that's why i'm kind of leaning towards saying he will go as for walker um i i don't know he probably won't go if i had to guess uh but it would be nice to have him because the jags are thin at the offensive line depth positions yeah it'll be interesting to see how all that pans out on the injury front uh moving Ahead also to well, also looking forward to the game tomorrow on the Thursday night football. The Jaguars have been listed as a four point road dog by Odd Shark. Um, I don't know about you, Jay, but that's not really a surprise to me, is it? No, nah, not at all. Um, well, I, I guess I will say this I think four points is a bit much because I, I mean, like, even so, when you look at you know the Jag situation. Them and the Titans always play each other close. Like they, for whatever reason, the last two meetings they had, um, it's been very close. Like uh, last year, the meeting that that they had in Nissan Stadium, um, I know you can remember that one because you know it was all about the playoffs at that point for both teams. Uh, yeah, <laughs> stressful. We we lost that one. Needless to say, I mean it didn't. You know it didn't really hurt us because we still were in the playoffs. Uh, then again, you know, maybe that win could have made us a number one or two seed. So maybe it did hurt us. But um, needless to say, I, I digress from my point. Um, in that game, uh, they there was a total of 25 points scored, 10 to 15. What an odd score, I know. Um, so um, that was a game that was decided by five points. And the game from this year earlier at TIAA Bank Field uh, was another close one. Jaguars couldn't put up a, a, a simple touchdown lost that game if i'm not mistaken and i think that was was it um nine to six yeah nine to six so yeah i was at that game i left the halftime was too hot (laughs) i don't blame you i would have sat through that either (laughs) but yeah not in a six not in a six to three game i'm not sticking around for that and melting right right so that being said i'm expecting some along the lines of that game like a three point in terms of a margin you know so you know if if you're into you know, odd shark and, and Vegas odds and whatnot. Um, you know, maybe maybe you should consider 
uh, going with the the under or, or should I say the over on that one? Because um, the Jaguars might keep it closer than four points. But uh, that's just my personal prediction on that one. Yeah, just like you said, these teams always play each other close. Um, that being said, even though they do play each other close, it usually ends in a Titans victory, unfortunately. Now, the narrative, which we'll get into here a little bit later, has been that the Titans just know how to play Blake Bortles. Um, but that's not who uh, they're going to be facing this time around. And we'll, of course, talk to that, talk about that a little bit later. Um, now, also, in terms of the Jags, despite their win, over the Indianapolis Colts, who have been rolling uh, as of late. Andrew Luck has been looking like the Andrew Luck of old, um, but the Jags were able to to get to him, even though that offensive line has been, you know, really, really protecting him. And it's it's really, I don't know about you, Jay, but it's really makes me upset that it seems like the Colts are getting things back going again. I really yeah. thought I really <laughs> thought they might have been done, but we're they're right about they're bouncing back, and and you know, it looks like they may be heading back towards where they were before but despite the victory they do stay at number 28 in the usa today power rankings which again just like the uh, the point spread i don't think that's anything that we should probably be once again that surprised about nah i mean i'm, I'm not shocked but at the same time um you know i think it was uh our comrade jared bell that runs uh that writes most of the the national paper articles that wrote this if i'm not mistaken it might have been him um but i mean i would have moved them up maybe one or two spots for the simple fact that they did shut out and we're going to talk about this later a very hot colts offense uh offense that averaged uh like 29 to 30 points a game heading into the game against the jacksonville jaguars uh and they were fourth in the league in terms of that like so this was a very very powerful offense heading into this game i was actually concerned that like they would put up too many points against us mm-hmm. and that wasn't the case so for for that reason and the momentum that the colts had i mean again we're going to talk about this later andrew luck was playing at an mvp level heading into that game and for them to keep him to zero points is just <laughs> absurd in my opinion but you know 28 you know it, it's fine I, it could be worse we could be below the 30 so you know i won't complain yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, as far as Andrew Luck goes, I think he's probably in the driver's seat for comeback player of the year, right? I mean, I, I'm trying to think of who else might be, um, maybe Carson Wentz, but I mean, no one really expected the Colts to be this good, I don't think, um, this this soon. So, you know, I think maybe Andrew Luck is, is might be in that driver's seat for for comeback player of the year. So we'll we'll see, and it's just another more frustration as you know it seems like another the Colts uh, seem uh, Andrew Luck's future was was heavily up in the air I think when you looked mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season yeah. because of how long it was taking him to rehab and even in the beginning of the year when you saw them take him out of the game in a Hail Mary situation you know what I mean that's right. that's that's incredibly telling um but it seems like he's getting back going and you know as a Jaguar fan yet you, you're you're frustrated as a fan of football um, you know, you're pretty excited because Andrew Luck is I think he's one of the most frustrating players to other players in the league because he is so nice <laughs> because right. he's very he's a very friendly dude. You know, he'll he'll, he'll high five p- people after a good hit and stuff right. like that. And then, <laughs> good that's job, Calais, for knocking my mouth. Exactly. Out. <laughs> and that's when you see when you see Jalen, you know, messing with him like that. You, I, you know, you definitely I just feel like Andrew who's probably probably laughing it off. And they did have a nice conversation after the game, it seems. So, you know, uh, Andrew Luck is, is a, definitely a, a well-liked guy and um, seems to be pretty nice. So, 
although I don't like him. So, uh, <laughs> but it is, it is good to see. Uh, hopefully, he's getting back on track. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see what what goes on for there. So, those those are a couple things we wanted to we wanted to uh, hit on before getting into the the meat of the episode here. So, um, Jay, you and I haven't gotten a chance to talk in a little bit um, here, at least on a uh, you know professional setting here with the podcast. I mean, s- saying what we do here is professional is very you know. It's, 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 I don't know about all that, but it's a little it's a little strong. But we haven't gotten to officially speak about it here on the show um, about the Jaguars finally pulling the trigger and benching Blake Bortles and also firing offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. Um, one of those things I, – I don't know if you saw – I think it was it was Dante Fowler who, who tweeted something about about Nate Hackett. Did you see that? Did you see that tweet or the oh, report yeah, about that? Oh, yeah, they deleted or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yep. I think it was um, him. I think it was, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was him where it was like, you know – Getting an offensive coordinator fired, even though he has a quarterback where he can't, you know, he he doesn't have, he he can't do anything with, mm-hmm. you know, who knows who knows if Nathaniel Hackett, you know, is <laughs> who is to blame? Is it Blake Port? It's honestly, it's probably a little bit of both of them, or right. you know, so you know, what's past is past. We'll see how it is going forward. So now, I think you and I can probably agree that Cody Kessler is not the future. Um, not to say that he played terribly against the Colts, but he also didn't really do much. They only let him throw the, they threw the ball 24 times, 150 yards, no interceptions, no turnovers. I don't believe he had any fumbles, did he? Uh, I don't think so. He fumbled um, one, but he recovered it one. on okay. his own. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you know. that he, Better than Blake would have done, <laughs> you know. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> but as far as throwing the ball, Blake Bortles' numbers uh, is what we saw from from Cody Kessler on Sunday. So, you know, looking ahead to the draft, free agency, where do you think we go from here? We're going to talk about this topic a lot. You guys are going to get tired of it. That's what the, pretty much the quarterback. I believe, I still believe we're a quarterback away from content from being Super Bowl contenders and they screwed themselves going into the off uh, going into the season and and bending all their money on the Bortles train. So where do they go from here if they want to contend now? Right. You would um have to think that I mean I'm with a lot of people uh, a lot of the fans on this you would have to think that that player is going to have to come and I mean that quarterback is going to have to come from the draft. And the reason for that, you know, People can throw it all out there about Teddy Bridgewater. And, um, you know, I don't have the list in front of me right now of guys that's going to be in free agency. Uh, but I know Teddy Bridgewater headlines the list. And that's why I was a huge advocate last year or, or this this past offseason of getting Teddy Bridgewater. Because I knew once somebody got their hands on him and the right team got their hands on him, they probably weren't going to let him go. And I think that's the case with the Saints. And and you look at Drew Brees. I know he has he always has had a clean bill of health for the most part, aside from, um, you know, I know he had some some shoulder injury, uh, some shoulder issues. Uh, That's how he initially got to the Saints. They took a gamble on him initially. But aside from that, he's been predominantly healthy. Uh, But that being said, you know, he is up there in age. I think he's 39, 40 years old. Um, they, they should be looking for a hair parent. And you would think that they did trade with the Jets this offseason to make Teddy Bridgewater that guy. Now, if Teddy Bridgewater wants to stick around and be that guy, that's up to him. But at the same time, the, the Saints front office have the rights to his contract. And if they say we want to 
extend you or whatever the case may be or franchise you or whatever the case may be. He has no choice but to stay and, and really wait for Drew Brees to, you know, eventually leave that, you know, that position. So I don't I have a hard time with what I'm saying. I have a very hard time seeing a guy like Teddy Bridgewater hitting the open market. I know it could be like a Tyrod Taylor or somebody like that. Uh, but still, you would still want somebody who maybe could be a long term answer. Uh, and, you know, a, a guy that could be around 10 to uh, or 20, you know, so years. And that's why I say I would lean towards the draft. And, um, you know, that's a class that, you know, we'll talk about that later down the road. But it's headlined by guys like Haskins and, and Will Greer and, and um so on and so forth. Um, Drew Locke. And, yeah, Drew Locke. Um, and those guys are the uh, kid from Duke. From Washington. Oh, yeah. Um uh, then, Finley, uh, Finley as well from uh, North Carolina mm-hmm. State. So you know it's it's guys like that. Um, I'm right now. I'm in the early stages of of studying the quarterbacks. I do like Haskins. I don't like the fact that he's basically a first year starter. Uh, they yeah. they scare me. You know. Um, I think Blaine Gabbert I mean, was one. Uh, but Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, yeah. They they scare me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at what Mitch is doing right now. He's looking. Pretty serviceable, you know. Just just put him on I this think, team right now, you know. And the, the Jaguars yep. are contending, you know. So they yep. don't need, like Phil said, you know. Phil feels like they are a quarterback away. I think uh, with the defense, probably uh, with that, with them planning to lose some guys next year, I think they might be one or two years away now. Uh, but they were yep. closer last year. Uh, but that being said, um, yeah, you know, the the thing is, like Phil was saying, you you don't really need. You you don't need Drew Brees or you don't need a, a Peyton Manning to insert it to this this team. All you need is a guy that's going to be serviceable uh, and, and get you some points on the board, so the the team isn't carrying the load defensively alone. And I think you can get that out of a young rookie, especially with this offense. If they continue to run the West Coast offense, it's not like they're going to ask a lot out of them as a passer. So, you know, maybe that guy's in the draft. Um, I'm hoping we draft a quarterback in the first round, but time will tell. Yeah, it's it's tough because, you know, last year you, you really felt like maybe they caught lightning in a bottle. You know what I mean? Maybe this was Blake Bortles, Matt Hasselback, or Trent Dilfer moment, or, you know, something along those lines. He was playing just well enough. But when it came down to it and we – We've had this conversation over and over again, and Jacob, for some reason, is you know does seem to be on the opposite side of this. But when it came right down to it, they took the ball out of his hands because they didn't trust him, right. and it just didn't make any sense as to why you want to you want to continue down that path if you clearly do not trust your quarterback. So you know now they're in this position, and and Jay, I mean you say you you feel like maybe a rookie quarterback can. Uh, can bring you now if if the timeline is where you you think it is a year or two away then then sure because i think a lot of people what i think a lot of the fan base is kind of in denial what you and i have been talking about for a while this defense is going to take a step back next year mm-hmm. oh, we're yeah. going to lose we're going to lose pieces now what we saw out of ronnie harrison last week looked looked good look look like you know we he's hopefully as advertised um but barry church is going to be gone uh, malik jackson we will see um, but he's probably not going to be happy not starting. Um, I don't think that's why he he came here. I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he'll be all right with that. I think he's probably gone. Um, Taven Bryan has been in has been spotty at at best, and right. 
this is what makes it so frustrating when you see and you and I were not we were not shy about being on the Lamar Jackson train is Lamar Jackson going to win rookie of the year is he playing lights out no is he does he look the part at times though yes he absolutely has using his legs and when the Ravens are willing to build an offense around him they're going to be good he's going to be they they don't need him to throw for 350 yards right. they they just they they'll, they'll build the offense around his legs and also making it so that he can, you know, he can he can do his reads. I mean, <laughs> look at it this way. Him, I mean, they. Yeah. You know. I don't mean to cut you off, but look at it this way: the Ravens situation is no different from the Jaguars situation in terms of inserting Lamar Jackson in there. The Ravens mm-hmm. are a team that has always believed on, on you know, running the ball and and yep. um, you know, taking taking their time on offense, but playing good defense. That sounds just like the Jacksonville Jaguars to me. So right. to to watch their success is is telling of what the Jaguars could have been doing. Now, granted, the Jags have some injuries too, mm-hmm. but still, uh, let's say in 2019 when everybody came back healthy, you got a Lamar Jackson who is a year wiser. You know, that's mm-hmm. a great situation for the Jacksonville Jaguars, even with Blake Bortles' contract. They would have been in a situation where Lamar Jackson could sit a whole year. And, and and just learn behind Bortles, if you want to say that, and, and maybe put him on the field this year. I mean, that's what they're going to have to do anyway this year. They're going to have to put a rookie or somebody else that's not Blake right. Bortles on the field they, anyway. So, you know, it was, the, it was the perfect situation for them to draft him, and they passed on him. Who, what is it going to be? I mean, because this upcoming draft class, the quarterback class, is it's it's not as flashy, of course, as last year's. Um this one, you know, you, you you mentioned the names there. I like Will Greer's attitude. It reminds me, it's it's very Baker Mayfield esque. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's, I definitely don't think he's as good as Baker Mayfield, but I, I do like that confidence. I I, I do. Um, but you look two years down the road, and there's Tua, possibly Tangavaloa out of Alabama, and. Um, also, the Oklahoma quarterback. What's his name? Uh, gosh, why is his name escaping me right now? Um, the young man gonna is uh, going to be in it. That could be in the MLB. Right. Uh, God, what's his name? Why is that? Oh, God, that's going to bother me. Um, <laughs> hold on a second. Oh. I'm going to look it up for you. Oklahoma quarterback. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Yep. Um, he's got an offer on the table to go play baseball. But if he – I was listening to Mike and uh, uh, Wingo and – go look at Wingo this morning, and they had um, Todd McShay on, and he says he thinks that Kyler Murray can be a star quarterback in the NFL mm-hmm. um, just because you can see – you can build an offense around a guy like that. Yeah, um, I'm a huge – I'm a diehard Texas fan, and I watched Will Greer and Kyler Murray break my heart this year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some of the throws that Will Greer made were – now nobody plays defense in the Big Twelve. Everybody knows that. But <laughs> but and honestly, I was not high on Patrick Mahomes because he came from the Big Twelve. But seeing what he is doing in that, and you know, and just being able to build an offense around that kind of guy, you know, we'll see what happens. Now then you got the, guys the like Jake of, Drake, uh, Jake Fromm, you know, being yep. that I'm a Georgia guy, uh, yep. a guy that you know it, that's learning in a pro style offense uh, with Coach Cheney, you know. So you know, the, yep. the, I, yeah, I get it. The class. After this class is is flashy. Um. Now, <laughs> that's the thing is, do, you know, do you thinking about going another year with Blake mm-hmm. is 
it, it's it's painful. It's it's hard to think about. I don't think he will be here. I don't even think it's um, a, a question at this point. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be here. I think there's going to be a lot of change. Um, now looking at the upcoming free agents, I pulled it up here. You got Tyrod Taylor. Is that a stopgap guy you mm-hmm. bring in? Maybe. Um, I think a guy who's pretty popular with his teammates. Right. I think um, that would be good. Of course, we mentioned Teddy Bridgewater, and then everybody else is pretty much an older guy. Um, you're looking at Josh McCowns, the Ryan Fitzpatrick's, um, Derek Anderson's of the world. Gino, well, not Gino Smith, not necessarily him, but um, and then of course RG three. You know, he didn't really get any uh, any playing time, but they kept him on a roster. They felt like he was good enough to keep around. Um, and with somebody Flacco's like that potentially leaving, you know, right. you would have to think that RG three is going to stick with Lamar Jackson, you know, they're, they're similar quarterbacks, uh, similar backgrounds, you know, both were first round picks. He's a guy that could be a, a good role model for, mm-hmm. for, um, for Lamar Jackson, a, a, a better role model than Joe Flacco could be because they're so identical, you know, in terms of not just what they do in terms of performance, but their background in terms of how they got into the league. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think if you if the the start of RG's RG 3s career was electric, man, and I'm just, I'm so angry at Mike Shanahan for for breaking that guy. Um, it's so yeah. frustrating because he was definitely going to be something special, and you know your your heart goes out to him because you you want to see him be successful. But yeah, maybe that's a name that gets thrown out. I keep hearing about Eli Manning, and God, I, no. I mean, God, here's no. the thing him or about Flacco, you know, God, no. yeah, here's the thing about Eli Manning is. he's still showing that if you protect him, he is still capable of being a a decent quarterback. And, and he just worry that, man, are they going to take a shot on him? Like what, what are they going to do? I I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens. But the, the bottom line is there's no Kirk cousins in this free agency class. That's not going to happen. Um, but also, I think you and I were both in the same camp. We're thinking, you know, we can't give that guy that kind of money. And look at the Vikings now. What are they? They're, they're fighting for a playoff spot. Um, you know, and and who knows what's gonna what's going to happen with right. them? But I, well, I, I just mean, I, I will know. say this on the cousins thing. Like, I was fine with like giving him the money because my 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 theory is like a lot of teams that were in the Jaguar situation contending for a championship. Typically, the next year they don't come back with a lot of abundance of cap space anyway. Because it it simply just costs to be a good team, you know what I'm saying? So right. like, had they spend money to make money? Right, right. So had they spent the money on Kirk Cousins, you know, I guess you you can't say we'll be in a better situation because there's so many injuries on the offensive line. Uh, but you could say the Jaguars would be along the lines of 500 or or like you know in the situation that the Titans and and um the Colts are in, you know, somewhere along the six and six line, but. You know, I guess there's I, neither here or neither I will, there. I will say this about this upcoming court draft, though. If this is the draft where you need a quarterback and you don't necessarily want to trade up, this may be the draft to do it because the top five or six teams may not need a quarterback, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so this may be the draft to do it. Now, I think the Jags are going to mess around, end up 8-8, eight and eight and pick like 14th. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> they're going to mess this up somehow. Mm-hmm. But um, this is the draft to do it because not a lot of teams – necessarily need a, a quarterback so right. of course the um you know going hand in hand with the benching of Blake Bortles we also as we oh, mentioned yeah, Phil, one thing before uh what you were saying about the Jaguars like losing draft positioning because mm-hmm. man you like we we've been on this boat too like we're scared like the Jaguars will keep winning and 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 just like you said find themselves out of the top 10 but my thing is this 
the simple fact that the Jaguars took a chance on Blake Bortles and the front office put themselves in this situation. At the same time, they should be able to do whatever it takes to fix it. And if that's trade first round picks to get a quarterback, then guess what? You, yep. you just have to do that because you you're the one that ultimately made the decision to go with Blake Bortles. And, and right. now that you've dug yourself in that hole, you know, it, it sometimes it does cost to get you out of it. And if you win some games here and there and have to climb yourself out of that hole and offer first-round picks, you know, so be it. But, I mean, you, you know, I guess we'll find out in time. Um, somebody threw it out there that, you know, it, it's plenty of teams like Phil was saying that we could trade up with, um, you know, the, the Raiders are one. Um, somebody was saying that – I think it was Zach Goddard from I mean, Jags. <laughs> Like John Gruden loves to trade picks, you know what I'm saying? So he's a guy. You well, can I mean, call that's up. another name. What about Derek Carr? Mm-hmm. Like he's 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 selling the farm, you know. Like right, why, right. Why, why not bring Derek Carr in and fix that draft mistake? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Because man. I think I you know he has. Of course, he has not been before he got injured. Derek Carr probably was MVP mm-hmm. um, that season. Him and it was him and Tom Brady um, before that injury. Um, you know, I think maybe a change of scenery is probably good for him. I, I, I don't really think anybody on that team likes playing for for John Gruden, you know. So right. maybe a change of scenery, but that maybe that's a name to even to think about that that may pop up. You never know with John Gruden because he's a disaster. So we'll see what happens. And, and one more thing on the um the whole quarterback, like if we should get a rookie or not. Uh, my thing has always been on on draft classes. You can't like account for any draft class past the upcoming one. You know what I'm saying? Because there's so mm-hmm. many uncontrolled variables. So the Jaguars, I mean, I know fans typically do this, but the Jaguars and their front office aren't going to be sitting back and saying, oh, let's wait for Tua or, you know, let's wait yeah. for Jake Fromm or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, their jobs are going to be dependent on, you know what I'm saying, on performance. And and Shad Khan could very well say, if he keeps some of the guys around from the current regime, he could very well say, hey, look, you guys need to fix this or you're gone after this year. So, therefore, right. they won't have the time to even wait for, you know, from and, and Tua and all of those guys. And I, I've always just thought that logic just was was kind of silly to me that, to say, let's let's wait for this class, that class or whatever. Because, like I said, you know, there there's so many uncontrolled variables and, and I don't wish this on nobody. But, you know, Tua could step outside today and shatter his ankle f- for the rest of, you know, his life. You know, it's just some right. kind of freak accident or something can happen. You know, you can't account. And not only that, you can't account for how good you're going to be and where you're going to fall in the draft order. Like, that's just you, they, they're asking people to basically be like psychic mediums, you know, or the, or the front office to be psychic mediums. And that's not the business they operate in. They The business they operate in is what can you do for me now because my job is dependent on you performing at this at this moment, basically. Yep. Yep, we will, like I said, there will have, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this this conversation because, unfortunately, we're not talking playoffs in December. We're, we're talking NFL draft, which is very, <laughs> very hauntingly familiar, unfortunately, for Jaguar fans. Um, oh, but, yeah, as, as I was mentioning before, um, hand-in-hand with the Blake Portals benching, we also fire Nathaniel Hackett. Now, what do the Jags do at offensive coordinator? Is somebody like Mike McCarthy in play, or would they would he probably want like a head coaching role again? Yeah, you would think Mike McCarthy. I mean, even though I did put it in the article – you notice the way that I worded it was, you know, if by some miracle Mike McCarthy doesn't get a head coaching job and it will mm-hmm. be a miracle if he doesn't. 
Um, you know, it's hard to see him taking the offensive coordinator job. I, I know a lot of people responded to this on Facebook, to the McCarthy um, article. But th- this guy's been, what, a head coach for 15 years, I think? With the- He's still in a Super Bowl, I mean. Yeah, yeah, like uh, – it's hard to see him taking the offensive coordinator job. And then a lot of uh, uh, something you have to often worry about with bringing um, a guy like him in is putting too many head coaches under one roof. If you know what I'm saying? Like, right. It's too many like personalities like that. So, you know, basically you have a situation where it's Doug Marone. Um, it's also um, Coughlin. Coughlin. <laughs> yeah. And McCarthy, like how, how is that? Well, look what happened out? in, um, look what happened in Cleveland. <laughs> with, yeah right with, they, uh, they've all been dispersed Hugh, Hugh Jackson much. and um what's his name the the old the the Cardinals coach what was that guy's name I forgot his name off the top I can't remember off the top of my head uh what's his name he was the coach in Arizona right yeah 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 I know who you talk about uh oh. the the coordinator but yeah, uh, yeah sure they I got can... Greg Williams who who hasn't been a you know a offensive or a, a coach a head coach should I say but Greg Williams is very head coach material you know what i'm saying so like you know it, it was just a lot of personalities oh you, and you were talking about todd haley by the way Phil. todd haley yep um but yeah like that was a lot of personalities and you can see those like them two clashing and i'm talking about haley and, and hugh jackson on uh hard knocks it was time where they bump heads you know what i'm saying yep. so ugh, you know that that's a lot to ask for if you ask mccarthy to come in here as a uh, OC, which he probably wouldn't to begin with. Yeah, I think, I like you said, if by some miracle he were to be okay with coming here as an offensive coordinator, I think that would be that would be great. Um, I, I definitely think he's going to end up coaching somewhere. I don't know if he wants to take a year off mm-hmm. or if he's he's ready to just jump right back into it. You know, these coaches seem to end up at ESPN or CBS or something for a year, <laughs> make some easy money and then go, you know, and then go coach uh, the year after that. So maybe he they, wants they to clear his head. He like you said, go to uh, the Browns, like the Browns are already on him. They uh, reportedly, yeah. you know, Hey, so. I mean, pair him up with, well, you know, you got, you got a guy, you go to a situation where you know who the quarterback is going to be. I wasn't super high on Baker coming to the draft. And now I'm one of his biggest fans. I pretty much adopted <laughs> Cleveland as my second team. I don't, I just love that team's attitude. I don't care. I, I don't care. I'm with you, Cleveland. All right. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, so yeah, that, I think that would be very interesting, but no, well, the offensive coordinator position will, will also be a, a very, a very uh, hotly discussed topic going into the offseason along with what they do at, at quarterback. So we'll see what happens. So um, well, we're going to talk about the uh, the highs and lows of Sunday's win against the Colts here. I will be honest, I was kind of in and out of the game throughout the entire day. Uh, we just had some other stuff going on. And watching the Jaguars makes me sad now. So <laughs> I was just trying to just trying to stay positive. It was my birthday weekend, you know what I mean? I wanted to, to, <laughs> to have a good time. and um, But they, they did pull out the victory. Um, in a, uh, in from from what I heard from fans in, in attendance, a kind of a difficult game to watch at times. But at least the defense uh, looked good. How did uh, we talked a little bit earlier? I'll go over some of the box score. <clears throat> excuse me from the from the offense. Um, of course, as I mentioned earlier, Cody Kessler, eighteen to twenty four. 150 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, he had a 
a whopping 18 QBR rating, rating for, <laughs> wow. um, from, from ESPN. Um, Carlos Hyde wanted more touches. He got him 13 carries, 36 yards. Um, this next leading rusher was Cody Kessler, which, like I said, this was a Blake Bortles game without Blake Bortles playing or th- turning the football over. So it was it was nice. Um, and then leading the way in receivers um, was TJ Yeldon, seven catches, 49 yards, not much out of Moncrief or Westbrook or Keelan Coleman, who I was just – I think we were all so high on. I thought that guy was going to have a breakout year. You saw him have that catch against the Patriots and mm-hmm. – He's just been a drop machine, and he, he did you know, save D.D. Westbrook from getting knocked out. That's true. He did. That <laughs> yep, he did. He definitely did. So, um, you know, he's a, a, a guy we were really, really rooting for, and, and Keelan Cole seems to maybe have fallen out of favor offensively. So, how did um, you know, how did Cody Kessler look, and um, was there anything to to take from that to to give the Jags fans a little optimism uh, in these final four games? Yeah, Cody was a guy that, you know, him and and another thing worth noting is uh, the offensive coordinator changed, Scott Milanovic. You know, it didn't really look in terms of it didn't all look like that much of a big change in terms of their performance and and, um, getting yardage easier. You know, it still looked kind of like Nate Hackett was the guy behind the wheel in terms of like their performance and how hard it was to get things clicking and whatnot. But the thing that Cody Kessler did offer the Jets, and I keep stressing this, that Blake Bortles didn't, was the decision making. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people went on record for saying like, hey, you know, Blake Bortles at least would have threw some touchdowns. But Blake Bortles also with those touchdowns well, we would have been down. <laughs> right. He he also would have threw he would have threw the Colts plenty of opportunities. You know what I'm saying? Like and that's always been a scary deal with Blake Bortles is the more you drop him back in the pocket. More times than often, he's going to give the opposition some opportunities to score as well. So it gets kind of dangerous from that perspective. So Cody Kessler, from a decision-making standpoint, didn't give the Colts a lot of opportunities to win this game. And need I remind you, all they needed was a touchdown because it was ultimately a 6-3 to game. So from that perspective, you know, kudos to Cody um, of course, he's not a guy that, as me and Phil said, he's he's not the future franchise quarterback for this team. Maybe future backup. We'll we'll see how that goes. Um, but that being said, um, that that just that one aspect of his game you can't take for granted because you know if Bortles had been placed in that situation, I, I think the Colts would have came away with at least fourteen to twenty one points and you know. That's always been an ongoing issue with him, especially in divisional games. Yeah, it was nothing uh, sexy or flashy, but as you mentioned, the decision making seemed to be seemed to be different. And uh, Cody Kessler, congratulations as he's as he has tied his win total that he had with the Cleveland Browns. Um, <laughs> so, so big shout out to to him as a starter here. You seen the Cody the Kessler facts account? Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> that guy, I is did, man. <laughs> undefeated as a Jaguar. Can't take it from him, <laughs> man. Uh, but it is. It, it was nice to see him go out there and and um, at least get some support from the defense, which is of course the the more impressive performance as they were able to hold this surging Colts offense 
to zero points. Um, of course, we went over the um, them being able to shut down Andrew Luck, um, 33 of 52, 248 yards through the air. Um, we did throw an interception. We did sack him three times, and that is something that they this newly revamped offensive line for the Colts has not been giving up. They have not been letting Andrew Luck get sacked, and uh, but they were able to get to him and force some some pressure on the ground. Not really anything to to, uh, to speak of either. Marlon Mack eight carries, 27 yards, followed by Andrew Luck two carries, 16. Um, Eric Ebron did manage 10 catches on 81 yards. T.Y. Hilton, 8 eight for 77, and Naeem Hines, 9 for 50. Um, but the defense really, really stepped up, and it was good to see them. You, you saw glimpses of last year, which was nice. Um, you, you really did. And, you know, with, with Yannick getting out there and getting after uh, after luck and, um, the, and the turnovers um, with, uh, with DJ Hayden and um, – just uh, seeing Jalen Ramsey look look even though he was playing hurt, seeing him look like the Jalen that we that we know and love, um, and also of course Rodney Harrison as we mentioned got um, not Rodney Harrison Ronnie Harrison. <laughs> got, I was know. about to say that guy came out of the booth. <laughs> yeah, um, Ronnie Harrison um, looking good um, in in uh, the starting role um, over Barry Church. So why was it such an eye opener? to uh to see this defense really step up against as we mentioned a Colts team that was that was really really coming along strong. Yeah, it shows that uh you know the defense still got it and um that they I don't know that Doug Marone still has control of them, but it shows that um how do I put this? It's 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 kind of hard to put Phil. I think you could put it better than me. Um it it shows that that the Jaguars can do the things that they did last year when they put their mind to it. Um, that's that being said, man, like I think this game just really boiled down to all the changes they made in the lineup. Uh, those were the keys to me. And also uh, another guy that stood out, Dewan Smoot, who I'm going to get into. Um, he showed up on the, on the defensive side as well on the line, pr- uh, producing five pressures. But you look at the changes the Jags made, especially up front. Um, I think it was uh, they put in Darius at uh, three technique. Yeah, they tried Darius at the three technique, and they put Jones in at nose tackle. Now, of course, as we said earlier, Jones got hurt, had to lead the game. Uh, but that that tandem looked very good in the in the place of Malik Jackson and the Darius tandem. So that's something to watch looking going forward. Um, if you know Jones could get healthy and get back on the field eventually, he's not going to play obviously against the um, the Titans. Uh, but that tandem uh, was was pretty special in my opinion, and I think one one of the things about that is the Jags knew Ryan Kelly was injured and wasn't going to play, so they kind of just you know put in a tandem that whoever the backup is for the Indianapolis Colts couldn't handle. Uh, so kudos to them for game planning against them and an injury that you know they basically took advantage of. Um, the other change, as Phil said, Ronnie Harrison uh, being swapped out with Barry Church. Uh, Barry Church is a guy that has been very, very underwhelming um, in the backfield. He's a guy that's been reacting late in coverage, um, just has looked lost in coverage at times. Um, his age shows at times in terms of re- uh, reactions and whatnot. And when you put some young blood back there, especially Ronnie Harrison, who is a guy, I don't know if y'all remember, Phil, but I was telling y'all that they were basically bragging about him 
when I went to training camp in the summer. He was a guy that you didn't yeah. have to tell where to line up. Uh, you know, that's that's just the Alabama thing. You know, they already are professional. Yes, yeah, Nick Saban guy, not really surprised. Right, right. So he was already ready for the pros. Uh, he was a guy that, you know, you, you could see he made rookie mistakes during the summer. But for the most part, he was sharp. And it's no surprise that he's starting over Barry Church. Now, it should have happened way sooner than this uh, because Barry Church has been church has been God awful this year. Um, and it just goes to show you the stubbornness of Todd watching this staff that, you know, that that just is a questionable decision in itself as to why Harrison wasn't in the lineup sooner. Um, but there was a big difference. Uh, you know, like I said, he, he offered some speed back there. He, he offered a guy that reacted fast back there, you know, a guy that was. Uh, putting it all on the line. So shout outs to Ronnie Harrison. Uh, he looked great, uh, especially paired with Jalen Ramsey. So you, you could definitely tell those guys are the future in terms of that secondary. That's nice to see. And then Miles Jack and Telvin Smith, who like they've kind of struggled this year, especially Smith, but they played lights out. They uh caused a fumble, of course, uh, to Eric Ebron, uh, which, which was just a monstrous play. I don't know if you saw that field, but they got in the backfield and stopped him on like some kind of jet sweep type of deal. Uh, but those guys look like the linebackers that we thought they were last year, you know, two pro bowlers. Oh, well, Telvin Smith was a pro bowler, but um, they look more along the lines of the, the team we saw or the tandem we saw last year. And then Hayden came out there, continues to prove, even though he's been injured, continues to prove that letting go Aaron Colvin. Yeah, he's is, been so good. Right. Yeah, it's so hard to say this, but he proves that Aaron Colvin was expendable, which is ridiculous. You know, we right. were kind of upset with the money they threw at Hayden, but this guy does nothing but make plays. All he does is break up passes, get interceptions, or or he got an interception. That was his first against the Colts. And he, he flies around to the ball, always near the ball or, or on the way to the ball or making a tackle and what have you. Very active player that um I, I can't wait to see like what the future holds with him because we haven't seen a lot of him this year because of injuries. So um, you look at all those yeah, guys. Yeah, I think a guy that was just very eager to prove himself for sure. Right, right. Former first round pick. That's what it was. You know, like he wanted to show the league that he wasn't a bust. And they put him in a situation now where he's around more young talent. And, and I mean, that's it's scary to think what these guys could be him, Harrison and Ramsey all together. And then, you know, Boye's been kind of off this season. But if he can get back to what he was, this team is or the secondary is just as scary or better than it was last year. And that's that's just ridiculous to think about. So. Those guys showed out. DeJuan Smoot finally showed up, which is crazy. We've been waiting to see something out of this young man. Uh, he had, yep. as we said, um, shout-outs to um, Misto Cristo from uh, Jaguars, uh, Locked On Jaguars, who pointed this out. He had five pressures in the whole game, and he was constantly in Andrew Luck's face, and he was a guy that if he can continue to do what he did uh, against the Colts going forward. He's a guy that the Jaguars can feel very comfortable with pairing with, you know, Yannick and Gakwe in terms of making a future tandem or, or, or putting him in the rotation and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that's why I stand on the defense. Yeah, just remember that, you know, because Clayus Campbell, he's he's on the the other side of his of his career. That's another guy who a conversation they're gonna they're gonna have uh, about right. his ease. He's got a high cap number and. Um, but he's still he's still producing. But if, if you have a guy in the chamber that's you know getting ready to go, and you finally see it out of him and Dwayne Smoot, you know that's definitely 
very, very um, exciting. So, you know, that's that's last week, and, you know, it, it was good to get a win and, and, and get off that losing streak. But now we look ahead to the Tennessee Titans. Um, it is Titans hate week, of course, here in Jacksonville, <laughs> Florida. Um, now the, the Titans, I, I, I believe, of course, find themselves also at, yeah, they're at 6-6. Six and six. Um, They're a team that's kind of in flux right now. They, they were kind of in the – it seemed like they were – at one point, they were in the driver's seat in the AFC South, and then the Texans all of a sudden, and holy smokes, they come along and they're doing what they're what they're doing. I think they won what nine in a row now. The Titans uh, they started off zero and three, and now they're nine and nine and three, first place, running away with the division. You mean the um, Texans? Right. Texans, yeah, yeah, Houston, yeah. I was talking about Houston, yeah. They won nine in a row, so now it's um, you know, just everybody chasing Houston again. Um, now, um, they did uh, Titans coming off a victory against the New York Jets. Uh, one thing I do want to mention: this is that has nothing to do with the game. Um, for the New York Jets, Jason Myers five for five. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like ever since he's got closer to home, that guy's a, a all pro man. What he's the hell, man? <laughs> So you know, it, it was we Jacksonville. He he didn't want to be. Yeah. He wanted to be closer. We to know home. he definitely mentally ruined that guy. So <laughs> it was uh, good to see him get get away. But Marcus Mariota last week, um, you know, had a pretty Marcus Mariota game: twenty for thirty-five, two eighty-two, a touchdown and an interception, um, and a victory over the New York Jets. So um, as we mentioned before, the Titans seem to just always know how to play Blake Bortles. But we have brand new Cody Kessler facts coming in <laughs> coming into town. <laughs> Coming into Nashville, and, um, you know, got to make it out to one of these one of these games uh, uh, someday out in Nashville, man. Because as much as I I can't stand the Titans, you know, the city is 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 fantastic, and oh, yeah. you know, you see how much they support their teams and the Predators, and mm-hmm. you know, there is a reason. Listen, if, if for any of you that are confused as to why Nashville got the NFL draft, um, just watch watch the Predators playoff runs, man. Mm-hmm. That city loves their football teams they have some really great sports fans down there even though their teams are horrible but they they epitomize the south you know what i'm saying in terms of a city and how a a southern city should support a team they i mean i i I hate to say it because the titans is that's their home but um i visited that town and like it feels a lot like home to me you know what i'm saying so yeah that that city deserves kudos um still the titans suck and I don't like you guys. So <laughs> you still that. suck, but the, the city, <laughs> uh, fantastic. And you hope that Jacksonville can follow that lead and uh, and one day um, hopefully host the the draft as as well. You know they're they're trying their best, and you and I have already talked about the problems with the the hurdles that the city has to 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 get over before even coming close to that. But that is a conversation that we can get into for a long time that we won't do right now. So we'll look at We'll, of course, just focus on football. What are going to be the keys to victory um, for the Jaguars uh, here coming up on Thursday Night Football, our only primetime game once again um, after our Steelers game got flexed out and after seeing the result of that one, thank God it did. But what are we going to do? Uh, what do the Jags have to do in order to extend their winning streak to two? <laughs> uh, well, first and foremost, um, I hate to beat a dead horse, but, you know, rush the football. And I say this because, you know, we talked about how good the Titans are defensively, right? But the thing is, they aren't all that good against the run. Uh, I think it was um, the Texans running back, not Blue, but the um, the other young man. His name is escaping me right now. But he ran for like... Lamar Miller? Yeah, Lamar Miller. The, yeah, formerly of the Miami Dolphins, if I'm not mistaken. 
Uh, he ran for like 162 yards on them over 12 carries. And if I'm not mistaken, that was like a average of like 12 to 13 yards a carry. So that was week before last. Uh, last week, Isaiah Crowell, a uh, former Georgia Bulldog, but uh, eventually, you know, he transferred due to some some off the field issues. <coughs> but Isaiah Crowell chewed him up as well, even though he didn't amass 100 yards. Uh, he, he, he it was close. He had like 96 yards against him in their last game. So. For whatever reason, you know, the Titans defense is good, but they cannot stop the run. And uh, Leonard Fournette should be licking his chops because, uh, you know, as we know, he's coming off, even though he was suspended, he's coming off a game where he was running like a madman against the Buffalo Bills. He looked like he was going to break records, basically. Um, they they weren't touching him, too. He was like eight yards into the backfield. So if he could follow that up, and you, you already know he's kind of fired up from being suspended. Uh, he's healthy. So that helps. Um, so, yeah, run that football and, and run it until they begin to stop you. Um, so also the element of surprise, that's that's another key to victory. Um, you know, there's not a lot known about Scott Milanovic and, and Cody Kessler. Uh, Scott Milanovic is somebody who spent 15 years, you know, coaching Canadian football or, or just, you know, coaching away from the NFL in general. And like uh, people don't know what to expect from them and they should utilize that to their advantage. Not saying the Jags are going to completely change their scheme because, you know, they've all they obviously got a playbook installed that people are familiar with. So they're not going to go too far away from that. But throw some wrinkles in there that, that the Titans haven't seen and whatnot. And, you know. Uh, like I said, with with Blake Bortles, they have his number so well. When he dropped back in the pocket, pretty much they know what Blake Bortles is going to do. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, there's no diversity in the scheme when Blake Bortles plays the Titans. They figured that out. And uh, their safeties cheat up. They don't worry about defending the pass. And, and, and that could be changed with Cody Kessler Um, if you use the run to set up the pass and take advantage of, you know, Cody Kessler's ability to throw the football better than Blake Bortles can, at least. So those are the two glaring keys that I think will play a role in this thing. So um, if Cody Kessler gets going, man, this game could get a little crazy, in my opinion. If they throw some things at him that they haven't seen, um, I'm expecting a low-scoring game. But don't be surprised if the element of surprise is a reason the Jaguars put up a ridiculous amount of points or 20 or upwards points. Because, again, you know, there's not a lot known about Scott Milanovic, and he could use that to his example, uh, to to his credit or his his advantage. Yeah, yeah. Um... I jokingly put out a tweet earlier, or I think it was yesterday. I was like, I can't wait for the Jags and Titans to duel it out to a 3-3 tie uh, <laughs> on Thursday Night Football. I don't think that's going to happen, but like you said, you got to use the element of surprise. You know, there's not a lot of film on what this uh, what this team can do with Cody Kessler under center. Um, you, you know, you, you got to take advantage of that, just like you, you said. I think I think Leonard Fournette's going to be hungry, and I think he's going to be um, very um, – very uh, determined, I think, to make it up to this fan base. I think I think he was very, very sincerely um, apologetic about what happened in Buffalo. Right. I think he really was, um, and it was a bad look. You know what I mean? For a guy who should, who definitely needs to be smarter, and I think he is smarter. Um, but I, I also think he's very, he really loves his teammates, mm-hmm. which, uh, which is, which shows, but you have to be smarter. And I think he's going to he be just trying to help us get better draft position. And that's all <laughs> right. that's it. Yeah, looking out. 
<laughs> he had to take one the for future. the team, man. He he knows that Blake Bortles isn't going to be the guy, and you know he had to go out there and throw a couple fists so we can get Haskins or somebody to help him out. You yeah. know, <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> I think he's going to be really hungry. And as you mentioned, you threw out those numbers. You know, the, they have not been doing well against the run. Isaiah Crowell, yeah, twenty-one carries, ninety-eight yards last week um, against the against that Titans defense. So um, you know, run it. Run it often and and you know run it straight at them and you know when you can like you said I think the element of surprise will will definitely come into play and hopefully that play action will come into play as well and we'll see which which receiver is the the beneficiary of that this upcoming week so um, but yeah we will we will see what happens the Jaguars are back on on prime time this is the only team I think they're allowed to play on prime time as the Tennessee Titans apparently according to the <laughs> NFL. Uh, we can't have any other primetime games during the regular season. And, you know, this is a topic for another time. But, man, if this is what happened to us this year, I can't imagine what our primetime schedule or lack thereof is going to look like next year unless we get some kind of big – unless we make some kind of big-time move at quarterback in right. the draft or something along those lines. So, but, we could always go yeah, get Aaron Rodgers, you know. Right. Yeah, maybe he might – you know, maybe he just wants out altogether. You know? right. so, well. We'll see. So, but yeah, I mean, that is what we what we wanted to discuss with you guys here this evening. And you know, as mentioned before, it's good to be back here in the studio with with Jay. Um, what really appreciate everybody holding it down. Of course, forgot to shout out everybody in the beginning. Uh, under uh, Jacob DeLawrence at underscore Jay Della, and of course Jackson Freiberger at Jacks. Freiberger, who has been helping us, uh, helping helping us a lot on game day, um, so we really appreciate appreciate him. Jay and I actually, <clears throat> excuse me, are going to be at odds for the next month or so uh, as the Texas Longhorns and Georgia Bulldogs are set to play in the Sugar Bowl. So I uh, take back all the nice things I said about him earlier and uh, hook them horns. Um, you know, as the uh, as the Bulldogs are going to be unfortunately embarrassed by the Longhorns uh, come New Year's Day. So Jay, do you have any comment on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually did want to go to the game at the Superdome. And as a Falcons fan, secondarily, you know, you, you don't want to step in the Superdome typically. But I would gladly step in the Superdome for that game so I could push you down the steps, you know, kind of like <laughs> kind of like the Rock did, mankind in the stadium fight. <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, I just really don't think you'd want to be there for the for Georgia inevitably blowing it in the fourth <laughs> quarter. So I don't know. Won't if be you the first time a Georgia team blow the game there in that state. Also, I, also, it's really not a good idea for you and I to go to New Orleans together. So I think that's a, that'd be a bad bad for us uh, health wise and also bad for the city. Um, so we probably shouldn't probably shouldn't do that. So, but hey, guys, you know, once again, uh, before we close out here, Jay, what we have coming down the pipeline? Anything you want to? you want to talk about or or mention before uh we close out yeah probably gonna get some game day um some game day content up before the game of course um you know some players to watch matchups to watch this that and the other and then um you know after the game this this time around i'm not gonna really write a lot during the game as i typically do for those of you who follow me on twitter but i'll probably write more after the game get some good quotes in there from you know the staff hopefully it'll be a win um well it's conflicting do we want to win or do we not want to win <laughs> Phil? Yeah, i don't know i just hope both teams have a good time at this point right. i don't know right. i mean hey like i said <laughs> man the, the jags are in a situation where if they win they still are gonna have to do everything in their power to trade up anyway so i guess a win won't really hurt them 
But yeah, I have some stuff right. on um, some quotes, um, you know, some some players of the game, uh, some keys of the game, all of that kind of post game content going after the game. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yep. So make sure, of course, you stay tuned to the Jaguars Wire for all of the up to date Jacksonville Jaguars news. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and of course, make sure you're supporting the the Jags Den podcast as well. I think Jay, I saw you um, er, earlier. You said we're 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 quickly approaching two thousand followers on on Twitter, I believe, right for the Jaguars Wire. Yeah, yeah, and um, we actually got closer to that number throughout the day. Um, I have to check again, but yeah, we getting there, man. So go, go hit that follow button at uh the Jaguars Wire at Jags Den Podcast. As uh, you know, we're trying to get up there in the ranks. Yeah, man. So make sure you're hitting that follow button. Let let your friends know that we are the go to site for all of your Jacksonville Jaguars news. Once again iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spotify, no, that's not a thing, Spotify, Deezer, Radio Public, and the USA Today Audio Boom Network, that's the Jags Den Podcast, and the Jaguars Wire. I'm your co-host, or I'm your host, Phil Smith, aka Phil the Filipino, and of course for, for James Johnson, our fearless leader and managing editor, we thank you guys so much for joining us. We will see y'all next time. Everybody stay safe, and go Jaguars.